Thank you for tuning in today at Propel Church. Whether you're watching through YouTube or listening through a podcast, we want to say thank you. Our hope at Propel is that you would be propelled into an authentic relationship with Jesus. From wherever you are tuning in, we hope that you are encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Amen. I want to talk to you today about making friends. Can can I be honest with you? Um, So as an adult, Making friends is not as easy as it was when I was younger, right? Like when I was in high school, I thought making friends was pretty easy. Now, part of that was because we all went to school together. There was a portion of time that we spent where we were stuck in a classroom. There was consistency in it. But when I became an adult and I had my own job and I had my own house, man, making friends and and really keeping friends is a lot more time-consuming. It's a lot more difficult. And sometimes in church, we talk about what it looks like to have friendships and relationships. And you hear somebody say, hey, you need to make the right kind of friends. You need to have the right relationships. Because if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And you're thinking, that's great. But like, what am I actually looking for in the people I surround myself with? It's like, I don't know if you're like me, but um, I look, Men, let me just encourage you. Pinterest is not just for women, right? I love me some Pinterest. I find some woodworking projects. I mean, I find all kinds of stuff. Every now and then, I stumble across recipes on Pinterest. And you have to be careful when you're looking at stuff like that because it just makes you more hungry. But I've noticed something that there's this whole category uh, online of what they call Pinterest fails, which are where you see what it should look like and you try and recreate it. But if you don't have the right ingredients or I've learned from Tori makes this great like smoked mac and cheese and I've walked in the kitchen and she's like whisking something. I'm like, I would just like throw it all in there and just be done. If you don't do things in the right order or have the right ingredients, you end up missing what the intended thing should look like. And I think that happens in our friendships so often. So what I want to do today is I want to take you to Daniel chapter 3. I've only got two points for you. So this is not a normal message. I, I, two points for you, really simple. But I want to give you the ingredients of what you're looking for when it comes to the friendships that you have. And if you've never read through the book of Daniel, it is one that I think you will find strikingly similar to the world we live in today. Because the book of Daniel really teaches you and I how to live in a world of compromise. How to live as followers of God in the midst of a culture and a world that looks vastly different and contradicts the way that God says is right. And so the book of Daniel, we see that there are these three guys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I love these three guys. In fact, when I was serving as a youth pastor, I would tell Tori and I, we've been trying to have kids now for a few years, and I told Tori, I want triplets out the gate, and I'd love to name them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. She's not on board with that, um, but let me just be, you know, you, y'all just keep praying for us, right? But, but That's right. But in looking at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they served under this guy named King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar was, uh, well, he was a little full of himself. 
He thought he was incredible, and he built this gold statue in the middle of a courtyard, and every day they would sound these musical instruments, and all of the people would come out, and they would bow down to worship the statue of King Nebuchadnezzar. And then we get to the book of Daniel chapter 3, and we find that there are these three friends who are living just a little bit different. So Daniel chapter 3, beginning in verse 8, says this. It says, at this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the, 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 zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of musical instruments must fall down and worship the image of gold. And whoever does not fall down in worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you've set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you've set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage. You ever, you've been there before? You just... <laughs> flew into it. And he ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or worship the gold statue that I've set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue that I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? At the beginning of this passage, when we find this is Daniel chapter 3, verse 8 through 15, we find that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have made the decision to not do what was culturally acceptable. These three friends come together and in unity make this decision. Now, these aren't just lay people. These aren't just your everyday workers. These were men who were in positions of authority, serving under the king. And what they decided is, even though the world said it's okay, God has a very clear standard, and we're going to live by the standards of God, not by the standard that the world deems acceptable. And so when we're looking for friends, when we're looking for relationships, I think the best thing you can do in your life, if you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, is to find friends who push you to fight against what the world deems acceptable. That's what you need to do. So if you're taking notes, this is that first point, is to find friends who push you to fight against what the world deems acceptable. Do you know that even still, we're not living in Daniel chapter 3. We, I mean, there are striking similarities to Babylon and the world we live in. But do you know the world still wants your worship? The world still wants you to bow down to what it deems is appropriate and okay. That the world has a standard. The standard that says there's a certain way that you can treat your enemies and that you... Don't have to worry about 
marriage. You can sleep with whoever you want. There's a standard that the world has, and the world says this is okay and that's okay. But God has some really clear standards. He has some things that are not just personal preferences. They are truths. And if you want to grow in your relationship with God, you need to find friends who push you to fight against what the world deems is okay. Because scripture teaches us that we can live in the world but not be of it. But I think the only way you can do that is if you surround yourself with people who have made the decision to honor God with their entire life. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about friends. And I know you've got some people in your friend group that don't know Jesus. And so you don't know what to do about that just yet. That's fine. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But here's the thing. You and I need to find those kinds of friends in our lives. These three amigos come together and they make the decision that they are going to do what is right in the eyes of God and refuse to bow down to what the world deems acceptable. And in doing so, they're going to get some flack. They're going to face some opposition And so the king threatens them. The king is choosing to say, hey, if you don't bow down, I'm going to throw you into a furnace. That's what's going to happen. And look at how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego respond. It says this in verse 16 of Daniel chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you've set up. Now, I want to be very clear with you for a second. Can we go back to that first verse? I want to teach you just a a little principle. This is not about friendship, but I think we, we need it in the world we live in. Because there's a way to honor authority that you're under and still stand for the truth of God's word. And here's what you got to quit doing. you got to quit defending yourself before the authority that you disagree with. We live in a world that says if you disagree with authority, then you fight authority. you got to fight every urge within you to be rebellious against the authority that you're under. Because here's what I wholeheartedly believe. If you never become accustomed to submitting to authority that you don't agree with, you are going to consistently struggle with God. Here's the thing. God is an authoritative figure in our lives, and there are plenty of times I don't agree with him. I've just determined that I'm wrong. (laughs) And if you don't get accustomed to submitting to authority that you don't agree with, then you're going to be in a really hard position where you wonder why you keep struggling in your relationship with God. But you can honor authority. They didn't come and say, King Nebuchadnezzar, you're a fool, you're a buffoon. You obviously have something you're trying to compensate for because you built this big statue. They don't go into any of that. They just say, hey, look, King, we disagree on this matter. But we don't need to defend ourselves before you on this matter. We just want to make something really clear. We know that our God is able to deliver us from your hand, but even if he doesn't, we have made the decision that we are going to honor 
God with our lives, and we will never bow down. I think that's an incredibly difficult decision for you to make by yourself. That's why you need friends. That's why you need community. That's why you need people who are moving forward on mission because when you have those kind of people in your life, it gives you the strength to be able to say, I'm going to choose to do what God deems is right even when I feel like the world is against me. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego give us this depiction of what it looks like to have a posture of even if. Even if it doesn't happen. I know God can, but even if he doesn't come through, I've already made the decision to honor God with everything in my life. And so what happens? Well, King Nebuchadnezzar repents and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go home. That's not what happens. (laughs) Right? They make the decision to tell him, hey, even if God doesn't come through, we're going to not bow down to your statues. We're not going to worship you. And so King Nebuchadnezzar makes the decision to throw them into the furnace. He's made the decision to end their life. And King Nebuchadnezzar is so mad at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that he orders the servants to make the furnace like 10 times hotter. In fact, the furnace was so hot that one of the guards that was standing nearby died from the heat. There is so much heat that's being thrown. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get thrown into the fire. And as they're in the fire, this fiery furnace that they were placed in was a place that was meant for torture from the world. But God was actually using it to position them for greater authority down the road. Sometimes we get so caught up and we, we spend our entire lives trying to escape the fire, but God doesn't save you from the fire. He meets you in the middle of it. And he joins you in it. I fear for the American church that we're trying to escape the very thing that Jesus said makes us co-heirs with him, which is persecution and suffering. Jesus promised that. He said, you will have troubles. It's not like you might. He's like, you gonna, it's going to be tough. Yeah. Here's the good news. Take heart. I've overcome the world. Here's the good news. I never leave you or forsake you. And with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the middle of that fire, all of a sudden, King Nebuchadnezzar starts looking around, and he asks the guards, hey, how many guys did we throw in that fire? They said, three. He said, well, I see the fourth man, and he looks like an, like an angel. He, he's got this glow on him. And what theologians believe is this is what's called a, a Christophany, which is where Christ appears in the Old Testament. And as they are looking, what we understand is that, man, God is a God who joins us in the fire. But here's what I love about biblical community. When you surround yourself with the right kind of friends, when you get in the right relationships with people, you don't just have God join you in the fire. You have friends who don't leave you when things get hot. Oh, that's good. Some of us have had those kind of friendships before, right? Yeah. Where the heat turned up and everybody disappeared. Biblical community is not like that. 
When you get around God's people and you're moving forward on God's mission and purpose, you have those kinds of people you need to stay with you in the middle of the fire because you've already had the resolve to do what God said was right. So they're in the fire. King Nebuchadnezzar sees this, and he realizes there's a fourth one. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego haven't died yet, and so he makes the decision that he's going to let them out. So this is what it says in verse 26 of Daniel chapter 3. So Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace, and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Do you see the shift? King Nebuchadnezzar went from being his own God and having everyone worship him to now realizing that God has power and authority and that he is above King Nebuchadnezzar. Since the servants of the Most High God come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, prefects, and governors, royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their body, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was not even a smell of fire on them. The good news of being with God and with his people is that you can be completely surrounded by fire and never smell like smoke. That the enemy can oppose you and he can bring strongholds against you, but no weapon formed prospers. So it says that then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and he rescued his servants. They trusted him and they defied the king's commands. They were willing to give up their lives rather than to serve or worship any God except for their own. And the story continues on where King Nebuchadnezzar makes a decree to all the land that the only God that should be worshipped is the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, for he is the Most High God. And so here's the last thing I have for you is that God should be getting glory from your friendships. The result of the friendship of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is that an entire kingdom saw who God was and how powerful he was. So let me ask you a question. Do the friendships you have point people to how good and great God is. Because if they don't, here's what I want you to know, you're missing a component of what an abundant life in Christ actually looks like. Because God wants to be a part of every aspect of your life, your friendships, your relationships, your marriage, your kids. He wants to be involved in your workplace, in your drive home. He wants happy you, mad you, sad you, angry you, frustrated you, might kill somebody next week you. Like, he wants all of it. Is God getting glory from your friendships? And when I first got saved, when I first gave my life to Jesus, this was really, really hard for me. Because I was incredibly passionate. God rescued me from a drug addiction, and I felt like the mission of my life was to help every single one of my friends meet Jesus. And that is absolutely true. But at the same time, you got to be really careful. 
Because who you surround yourself with dictates where you end up. And so what happens is sometimes we approach this thing and we, we approach it, I call it missionary friendships. It's where the whole purpose of our friendship, we, we keep people in our inner circle because we ultimately want them to meet Jesus. And I'm not telling you that you shouldn't hang out with people who don't know Jesus. Because I think there are plenty of examples that we see where Jesus would go and he would meet lost people, where he would go and he would hang out with people. But there's a difference in hanging out and letting them into your inner circle. There are no lost people who were disciples. Jesus made sure his inner circle were on the same page so that they could move forward on mission together. Your friendships should be glorifying and honoring God. And if they're not, the good news is you have the ability to make those changes. The good news is you can shift. You can shift the way you think about your friendships. You can shift the way you navigate what you guys do and how you hang out. But if you're like some people in the church today, you're like, well, I probably just need new friends. And you're probably right. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why we put such a heavy emphasis on groups. It's not because we manufacture friendships. I can't make you have friends. Some of y'all going to have to work really hard at it. <laughs> you know who you are. You just elbowed them, right? <laughs> we don't manufacture friendships. We create the environment for you to meet people who are moving in a similar direction so that you can identify who the right kind of people are and build community that way. Some people feel like groups is a place where we we help you make friends. I can't help you make friends, but I can help create the environment where you can meet the right kind of people. And so here's what I want to do. I think this semester, I would love for you to join a group and commit to it. And so I had some friends earlier. They passed you this thing. It's a group expo card. And there's 10 group options for you to pick from this semester. And I'm just going to kind of go through the list for a second. But if you don't know, it, so it says join a group and commit for the semester. These groups only last for 12 weeks. Some of you are like, that's a long time. You go to a nine to five job you hate every day. You could do something 12 times, right? 12 weeks, one day a week for an hour to an hour and a half. When you commit to a group, you get in the environment where you can meet the right kind of people, where you can build some friendships, where you can grow in community. And so, hey, if you're a group leader in here really quick, I'm gonna go ahead and dismiss you because I'm about to just talk about your group and so I uh, would hate for you to hear that. No, I'm just kidding. You can, it's gonna be great, but you can go ahead and go out because in a second, once I dismiss you, outside when you were coming in, you saw there were tables everywhere and you were like, what's going on? Well, those tables are color coordinated according to the color that's on this paper. And so as you go to sign up for a group, as you go to look for groups, you're going to be able to find the group based on the color of the table. And so I want to just talk through what these groups look like. And then I've got one more thing for you and we'll be dismissed for the morning. But 
men's freedom, women's freedom, this is that teal color. If you've never been a part of a freedom group, I'm just telling you, it will be one of the best decisions you've ever made in your life. Freedom is where we help you settle your yesterdays so that you can walk into tomorrow. And here's what I know, whether you've been following Jesus for a week or you've been following him for 25 years, you probably got some junk you need to deal with. You probably got some stuff that's holding you back from experiencing all that God has. I've been through this curriculum seven times. I've led it six of those seven. I'm leading it this semester. Every single time I get something new. Every single time I find something, I uncover something that I still need to deal with because we are always gonna find stuff until we go be with Jesus. So men, women's freedom, we would love if you've never been to a freedom group or even if you have and you're like, I went through freedom and I still got junk. It's like join the club, you can jump back in. Then there's these groups that are in red. We call those hangout groups. You've got walking downtown with Tori, which th that's where they're walking, roaring 20s. Um, if you're in your 30s, you're out, right? This is for people uh, 20 to 29. Disc golf, that's a, if you like to play disc golf and maybe you never played, but you're like, I just need to get outside. That's a great one. Propel students is with Mike, he taught last weekend, did an incredible job there. Students are sixth through 12th graders. We've got the quad squad. Come on, come on. It's gonna be awesome. The quad squad, are uh, they're cleaning uh, up the, the property. They're gonna, they're gonna work on projects. They're gonna make things pretty. It's gonna be awesome. Ladies, there's one, one contingency if you wanna be at this breakfast is you need to be a lady. Saturday morning is going to be traveling. Maybe you're struggling with mental health. There's a group for you there with Patsy on Wednesdays. Marriage with Brian and Dina on Wednesdays as well. These are some options for ways that you can get connected. For some of you, you've been in and out of churches your entire life, and the reason why you leave a church is because you never had real friendships or you never built relationships. And here's what I wanna just say to you. If you do the same thing you did there, you'll have the same experience here. Maybe the best thing you could do is take that next step to find community, to build relationship with people, and through that, experience life change. I wanna pray for us in just a second, but before I do that, Here's what I know. You can have all the right friends in the world, but unless you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, none of it matters. And so maybe this is one of those turning point days where you've walked away from your faith or you've decided you really don't have faith at all. But today's the day where you wanna surrender your life to Christ and get on track with all that God has for you. With every head bowed, every eye closed in the room for just a minute, if you say, hey, pastor, I know that I need to surrender my life to Christ. Would you just lift your hand for a moment and say, that's me. I'm gonna turn it over to him. I see there. Here's what we're gonna do, church. Nobody prays alone. We're all gonna pray together. Will you repeat this after me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for checking out this week's message. If you made any decisions for Jesus or you need a next step or have a prayer request, let us know by going to www.propel.church/hub. That leads you to our digital connect card where you can fill out all of that information as well as see what we have coming up here at Propel. Thank you again for tuning in and we hope to see you again soon.